Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of God for the people of God. And all of God's people say, thanks be to God. Author of life, we thank you for your word and your wisdom. And we ask that your spirit might be with us this morning to transform us in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. We continue our journey into 1 Peter, picking up again at a therefore. So let's recap once again what we have already heard in this letter. We began by being informed that our faith in Christ Jesus has made us heirs to the promises of God, thereby working in us a new birth into a living hope. Because we've been born again, we are expected to behave as obedient children to God, meaning we have to live our life according to a certain discipline, the discipline of love. Therefore, living as obedient children means rejecting the cruelties of the world, malice, guile, insincerity, envy, and slander. We are to long after the things that are good, like an infant longing for milk. And suddenly, the metaphor shifts. We move from our response as children to the work of God, and we're told that we are like the stones that God is using to build a holy temple, and Christ is the cornerstone upon which we are being built. Now, in order to understand what this letter is saying about us being living stones, 
we're going to have to do some digging. We have four different references that are clearly being made here that are the scriptural foundations for the argument that Peter is building. If you remember back to the fall as we were heading into Advent, we spent some time looking at the prophets. I said then that the prophet to whom Jesus most often makes reference is Isaiah. So it should come as no surprise to us that Isaiah is included in these references alongside a couple other sources. First, see, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So we understand the cornerstone to be Jesus, but when we turn to Isaiah 28, we see what that cornerstone, that new foundation, will stand in contrast with. This cornerstone is laid in opposition to the rulers of Jerusalem who say to themselves, We have made a covenant with death, and with Shoal we have an agreement. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, it will not come to us. In other words, the rulers of Jerusalem had allied themselves with the powers of violence and death in the hopes that they could control violence and death. They told themselves the lie that if they had the strongest armies, the tightest borders, the harshest laws, then nothing could harm them. But God says, no, that is not the foundation of my kingdom. My kingdom is founded on Christ. My plumb line is justice and righteousness. When my kingdom comes, your deal with death will collapse on your head, and you will be beaten down by the very forces of evil that you thought you could control. When we hear Peter invoke Isaiah in this way, we may be reminded of the words of Christ that those who live by the sword shall perish alongside the sword. The second building block in Peter's argument, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. Again, we see that Christ is the cornerstone of the church. We are reminded that he was in the world and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Christ came and was rejected. So reviled and feared that those in power saw death as the only way to silence him. That deal with death guides the response that these rulers have to Christ. But this reference to the stone that the builders rejected places everything back in its right place. Peter is hearkening back to Psalm 118, a psalm that begins with the psalmist surrounded on every side by enemies, but ends with rejoicing in the power of God. The deal with death, the rejection of the cornerstone, does not bring victory for the religious and secular authorities of ancient Judah. 
In fact, it proves to be their undoing. By putting death to Christ, they reveal the inability of death to triumph over the forces of God's love, the force of life. Which brings us to our third building block and back to Isaiah. In Isaiah 8, we're informed that God is about to become a stumbling block for the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Isaiah is told not to walk in the way of the masses when God says, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what it fears or be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall regard as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And then the part that we see Peter use today. He will become a sanctuary, a stone one strikes against, and a rock that makes them fall. Christ is the cornerstone of the church, of God's holy people. But for those who reject God, he is a stumbling block for them to trip upon. Israel and Judah saw themselves as God's people. The chief priests and religious authorities, who were complicit in having Jesus put to death, saw themselves as God's people. But God had other, other thoughts. He knew that even though they may have had the right motions or said the right words, the intentions of their hearts were misplaced. The actions of their hands lacked justice. The loyalty of their souls belonged to other masters. This is what Peter is saying about those of us who belong to Christ. If Christ is to be the cornerstone, we have to square our actions with the plumb line of justice. Christ is the foundation to which we must allow ourselves to be conformed. Which brings us to the fourth and final building block, coming not from Isaiah, but from the minor prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea was likely engaging in his prophetic work around roughly the same time as Isaiah, but whereas Isaiah was in the southern kingdom of Judah, Hosea was in the northern kingdom of Israel. So their concerns are very similar. They're preaching to people who think of themselves as God's chosen, but who don't act like it. So God has Hosea carry out a symbolic action, which, to describe generously, we can call unique. Hosea is told by God to marry a woman who's not faithful to him as a symbol of Israel's infidelity to God. He's then instructed to give their children names like No Pity, because God won't have pity on Israel, and Not My People, because God no longer sees Israel as his people. But God never entirely removes the possibility of redemption. So Hosea is also told, I will have pity on No Pity. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. This seems to be what Peter is paraphrasing when he says, Once you were not a people, 
But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, you once lived as people who were not mine, but in new birth you are mine. So now that we've identified all the different building materials in Peter's argument, let's put them together again one more time. Christ is the foundation of God's holy people, who are like living stones. Those people, those living stones, are the temple which God is building in the world. But just as the cornerstone was rejected by the powers and principalities of the world, so will the living stones be rejected. The way in which we live, the way that our Creator is sculpting us, is to fit into one holy vision that does not conform to the way the rest of the world is built. The rest of the world is built on structures made in alliance with death. But God's holy temple is built according to the blueprints of life. Therefore, those who do not square their actions with the plumb line of justice and righteousness, no matter how holy they think themselves, will not find a place in God's vision. But on the flip side, those who allow themselves to be shaped according to God's vision will be chosen by God no matter what the world thinks of them. Now there is another metaphor in there that I glossed over, one that we need to go back to. At the beginning of this passage, we're told that we're like children who need to grow in the ways of God. Then, we're like living stones that God is using to build the temple. Then, we're like the priests that God has called to proclaim the good news. As those who God is shaping, we are all at once the church, the priest, and the one in need of ministry. Christ is the foundation, the guiding line, the chief priest for all of God's plans. But we in allowing ourselves to be shaped to that plan, come together as the rest of the vision. The church is not the building we worship in. The church is the living stones that make up the community. Ordained clergy are not the only priests. Every single one of us is called to proclaim the gospel through word and deed. Ministry is not something we do to other people. It's something that we all do with each other. And it doesn't matter that the way God is putting us together doesn't always make sense to the rest of the world. Because we are being placed by the supreme architect of the universe into that holy temple not made by human hands which will endure forever. Amen. Now would you please pray with me. Eternal God, we trust that your vision sees all the things that we cannot. Give us obedient hearts that we might be nourished 
on your spiritual milk. Give us spirits of righteousness that we might be shaped to the plumb line of justice. Give us hands of mercy so that we might be in ministry with all the world. Amen.